It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Boom. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to the Giants huddle podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. The Giants are gearing up for their fourth primetime game in the first six weeks of the season as they visit the Bills on Sunday night football. To delve into this matchup, I'm now joined by a man you can see as part of NBC's broadcast team on Football Night in America former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Indianapolis Colts, a Super Bowl champ as both a player and a head coach, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Tony Dungy. Tony, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? How you doing well, Lance? And really looking forward to Sunday night. Absolutely, as we are indeed. And let's start with this matchup, Tony, because to me, it's a battle of the walking wounded right now. You got the Buffalo Bills right banged up on the defensive side of the ball. The Giants are nursing their fair share of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. How much are these two teams really the perfect example of life in the NFL? And it really comes down to who best can navigate injuries. Unfortunately, that is the case a lot. And you get to, to midseason and who's healthy, who's going to be able to compete. I still have some concerns about the way we, we do things in the preseason. I'm seeing all these injuries, and I, I know we're trying to be safe and we're trying to not, not overwork guys, but I was always a believer in preseasons getting you ready. And I, I don't think we play our guys enough in the preseason, and that, that's concerning to me. But we are here, and so the, the, the question is, who is going to play? We know some Buffalo Bills defenders are definitely going to be out I'm very interested. I think Saquon Barkley and the offensive line, if they're healthy, I think this can be a really, really good game. Well, I'm glad, Tony, you brought up the offensive line. Let's delve right into that. It's been a game of musical chairs, as I like to call it. 11 different offensive okay. linemen have played. Only one player has logged 99% of the snaps. And I'm very curious to get your coaching expertise. When you have so much change, how challenging is it to put together a functional offense when you have very limited chemistry up front in the trenches? People don't realize how important that is. It's not just, okay, player A is not quite as good as player B, but those five guys have to work in unison. They have to hear the calls. They have to understand who's blocking and, and how they're blocking. And boy, we've got this double team and here's how I'm used to doing it with John, but now I'm doing it with Bill and he doesn't do it quite the same. And it's different when, when you have that chemistry and playing together and knowing how we're going to handle things, that's so important for the offensive line and the Giants just haven't had that this year because of the injuries. And as a result of that, the Giants have surrendered 30 sacks. That's the most in the NFL. They get a Buffalo team, Tony, that has 21 sacks, which leads the NFL. So they're really on opposite ends of the spectrum. Now, you're a defensive-minded coach. If you're Buffalo, I'm sure you're looking at what the last two opponents did because they sacked the Giants 18 times. What are you honing in on to test the Giants to see whether or not they truly pulled the 180? Well, I, I don't think they can. So if if I'm the Buffalo defensive coaches, I'm saying we got to put them in that position. If our offense can get us ahead and we can tee off and rush the passer, we're going to crush these guys. But if I'm the Buffalo defensive coaches, I also know that the two games that I lost, we gave up 136 and 195 on the ground. So how do I handle the Giants if they decide to come out and pound the ball at us? And if Saquon plays, I think that's a distinct possibility. And if I'm the Giants, that's what I'm saying. 
in my meetings, hey, these guys, yeah, if, if we have to throw 45 passes, it's going to be a tough game. But if we can run it 35 times and we can throw the ball on second and twos and third and ones and not throw it on third and tens, that's how we're going to win this game. Yeah, because when you play from behind and you're in those passing situations, you're essentially predictable to the opposition. Now, you referenced Saquon being out of the lineup. How much do you think that's impacted, Tony, the way that defenses view the Giants? Meaning you have Daniel Jones and Saquon out there. You've got to account for both of them yeah. as runners. When you eliminate one from the equation, what does that do in the mind of the defensive coordinator? Oh, it definitely helps the defense. And I think it actually hurts the Giants because I, I think – when Saquon's back there, there's a, a sense on that whole offense, we can run the football and we can be effective. Now, I, I know the other guys are good, but um, it, it just seems like their mentality has been throw first in the, in the weeks that Saquon hasn't played. And I think even if he doesn't play, they've got to get back to, you know what, we can run the ball on, on the Bills and that's what we have to do if we're going to win this game. The one thing that was noticeable in the win against the Arizona Cardinals, the lone win for the Giants in the second half, was the existence of explosive plays. And as you can attest to, Tony, it's hard to put together 10, 11 play drives without something negative happening. And that's what's really plagued the Giants. So I guess my question to you is, if the offensive line troubles continue and Saquon is still limited, even if he does return, how do you go about creating explosive plays when you don't have that much time for your quarterback to survey the field. Yeah, you've got to get them in different ways. You've got to get them with screen passes, with run after the catch, with maybe getting Darren Waller in a, a matchup situation where I can get the ball to him quick. I know I'm going to him and, and, and create it that way. But the problem is defenses know that. So they're going to try not to let you get in those situations. The, the beautiful thing especially when Saquon plays, hey, I've got to maybe get that safety up closer to the line of scrimmage because they're going to run the ball. Now there's more one-on-ones. There's more opportunities to get those explosive plays, and it works hand-in-hand. Hand. Speaking of the weaponry for the Giants, if you look at the narrative this offseason, they went out, and their goal was we're going to surround Daniel Jones yeah. with a lot of attractive toys, as I like to call yeah. it. You brought up Darren Waller. They draft Jalen Hyatt. Wondell Robinson comes back from injury. And we have not seen anything really come to fruition yet, Tony. How much is this simply a product of if your house is not in order in the trenches, it really doesn't matter how many great toys you have around the quarterback at the end of the day. That That is it. And you still have to be balanced. Uh, you have to be able to run the football to make people defend that. If, if I can come out and just say, you know what, all I'm going to do is rush the passer and I'm going to play conservative defense so you don't get big plays. And if I can rush you seven or eight times in a drive, something bad's going to happen. That's the way defenses are playing them. So they've got to get that balance back. And then I think you'll see some of those explosive receivers uh, really ha have some days. But until that happens, it's going to be tough. Do you think with the injuries to the Buffalo Bills, Matt Milano is the heart and soul in the middle of the defense and the fact that Tredavious White was one of their top corners, does that significantly change what's going on in the back end in your mind that could open things up for the Giants potentially? It absolutely does. I think you're going to see more conservative uh, defense from the secondary. They're not going to put their corners in one-on-one -on -one situations. I think you're going to see them get help. Which, which helps you in, in different ways. 
Uh, Matt Milano does so much. It's going to take a couple of people to replace him in the run and pass game. Uh, but what Buffalo has, they've got a front four that can rush the passer. But if you don't let them tee off, if you don't let them get in those predictable situations, now Jacksonville, the game was tight all the way. Buffalo wasn't way ahead where they had to, to, to throw. And they were able to run the ball effectively and keep them off balance. And, and that's what you need. So it works both ways. You know, your defense has to hold you in the game a little bit. And then offensively, you've got to be balanced. And on top of that, it goes back to your point. They were able to run the ball well with Travis Etienne. Yes. They had a few explosive plays. And they put the Bills in a precarious spot where they had to play from behind. Because, Tony, I'm looking at the Bills' dynamics, and I'm saying also the timing, not ideal for the Giants. Von Miller just returned. I know he didn't play a boatload of snaps, but I'm sure the onus now, if you're Sean McDermott right, is more on can the pass rush help cover up some of the issues on the back end? Absolutely. And uh, Buffalo is kind of built like my old Colts teams were. We had really explosive offense. We got ahead early, and then we had guys who could rush the passer. Well, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney and those type of guys can be very, very effective if you're trying to catch up and play passing game. Where it gets dicey when you've got that type of team is if the game is tight and it's back and forth and the other team had, controls the time of possession, and that's how people tried to play us. And I think that's how you should try to play the Buffalo Bills, control the ball, Keep that offense on the sideline. They'll get a little nervous. Josh Allen will take some more chances, and now your defense can come up with plays. The, the defensive game plan last week for the Giants, I think that's what you need against Buffalo. Make them work. Get some turnovers. Uh, you can hang in there, uh, but it's got to be complemented with good offensive football controlling the, the time of possession. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? Giants fans, I just watched this great new series with Eli Manning, Champion the Journey, presented by Citizens. Eli talks with Tracy Wolfson about life after the Giants and everything he's worked on now, like broadcasting and his business endeavors. You can check out the series now at citizensbank.com slash champion the journey. Tony, I want to piggyback off of your last point because the Giants had no takeaways in the first four games. They did yeah. get three, to your point, against the Dolphins. But aside from Jason Pinnock getting that 102-yard return, the offense did not capitalize on the takeaways. So how much does it truly come back to? There are two things. Time of possession they won and takeaways. But in the NFL, it seems that's half the battle. It's all about what you do with time of possession and what you do with the takeaways. And that seems to be right now a big stumbling block for the Giants at this stage. Yeah, two things in that Miami game. You're right. The offense didn't take advantage. They didn't finish off drives and get points. And then defensively, yeah, we got some takeaways, but we gave up some explosive plays. And you've got to get that under control. You can't give up the 70-yard touchdown pass to Tyree. You can't give up the 70-yard touchdown run. You've got to make them work it down the field slowly. So to me, in this game, if I'm the Giants, and we've got to defend the deep ball. Don't give them easy throws. And we'll have some guys up front that can take advantage. Of, and if we make Josh Allen make eight throws on a drive, one of our pass rushers is going to get there and be a factor. Our coverage guys will get a tip ball. We just can't give them the two-play, three-play touchdown drive. And we saw last season Josh Allen was prone for turnovers in the red zone 
That's something that obviously he's cleaned up a little bit better this season. So it's perhaps an area that the Giants could capitalize on. Speaking of evaluating quarterback play, it goes back to what you and I were just talking about, Tony, and the play of the offensive line and Daniel Jones trying to circumvent that. As a coach, how do you go about evaluating Daniel Jones's play thus far when the conditions have not been ideal? When you look at it, and if you look at it from my point of view as a broadcaster, yeah, Daniel Jones doesn't have great stats, and he's at the bottom of the league in this category and that category. But when you look at last year, when they were effective, it was all the way around. It's a group effort. The offense is playing well. The defense is playing well. They're balanced. And that's when Daniel Jones is going to be great. But if you're saying, okay, Daniel, we're going to give you the ball and you be Patrick Mahomes and you go out in there and win the game, he, he's not going to do that. But if you build around him, play to his strengths, and if everybody's functioning, he's he's going to play winning football for you. And that's that's what they've got to get back to. Unfortunately, because of the injuries, they haven't had that very much this year. And unfortunately, he's now dealing with his own injury, right, as he suffered yeah. that neck injury. and. Tony, I want to bring his past into play here because 2021, if you recall, he suffered a neck injury. He missed the final six games. I'm curious, you've been around your fair share of players, and I know Peyton Manning got hurt after you had left Indianapolis, but we know the neck in the quarterback, the neck with really any player is not something you ever want to mess around with. What are the conversations you're having with the medical people and who's dictating whether or not Daniel Jones could realistically play this week? It absolutely is the medical people, number one. Uh, Daniel may say, hey, I'm just hurting so much and I just don't feel I can function. That's one thing. But most of the time, the player says, coach, I can do it. I'm okay. Let me go. So you really have to rely on the medical people. Number one, how effective can he be? And number two, is he at more risk now? And if the medical people say yes, you can't get away from things, or yes, if he gets hit this way, it could be a long-term problem, then you, you shut it down. But if they say, no, you know, he can go out there and function, he's at no greater risk, and the player says, I'm ready to go, then you're going to lean that way as a coach. We're talking with Pro Football Hall of Famer Tony Dungy here on the Giants Huddle Podcast. You can see him on Football Night in America, Sunday Night Football, the Giants and the Bills I take into consideration the fact that we were talking about 30 sacks and it's hard to believe Tony, even if he's ready to go, that he's going to avoid hits against the Buffalo Bills. So how much do you have to take that into consideration that even if he's not prone to re-injuring himself and he's okay and he gets the medical check marks that you got to wonder, can the offensive line hold up to not expose him to some of these further hits? And again, it's going to be the balance. I I can promise you, if they don't run the ball well, if they get in a lot of third and longs, if they get behind, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is back there. They're not going to hold up against the Bills because that's what the Bills do. Um, We had Dallas and San Francisco uh, last week, and Dallas's defense was putting everybody away. And you guys saw the Dallas defense early on. Well, now, all of a sudden, against the 49ers, they're not ahead. 49ers are running the ball, and that Dallas pass rush can't just tee off. It's a completely different game now. Uh, but that game, it, you know, these great defenses and these great pass rushers, it's hard to neutralize them unless you do it intentionally and you can stay ahead of the, the chains in the game. And if you do that, you have a chance. But that, to me, is the Giants' opportunity. And it, the, the matchup, can be okay uh, as long as they don't get behind early 
and if they can stay balanced and and have some semblance of an effective running game. And I'm with you. That's the biggest challenge. You look at the numbers. They have not scored an offensive touchdown in the first half, Tony. The only score has come from the defense, as I referenced earlier, yeah. from Jason Pinnock. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it, it's hard to believe that the offense was so effective last year. But I, I really believe they can get that back if they get some continuity and get all their, their players together. The other statistic that I want to bring up, and I'm curious your perspective, the Giants are 1-14 with a minus 175-point differential in primetime games <laughs> since the start of 2019. I know it's almost chuckling worthy. Now, there have been multiple coaches during that tenure. There's been multiple players that have come and gone. When you see a number like that, Tony, is that product of routine being disrupted because of night games? If there's anything that you could attribute to, why is that? No, what that is, is in primetime games, you're playing good opponents. You aren't playing junk teams on national television. So what that says to me is the Giants have not matched up really well against the upper echelon teams. And that's what they've got to get going. Uh, they're playing Buffalo. They're not playing Arizona on, <laughs> on a primetime game. And that's the difference. No, you bring up an excellent point. I always say the caliber of the competition, Tony, that's what you're hitting on. Yeah. It's not to take anything away from a win or a loss. Yeah. Wins are hard to get in the NFL, but you have to look at who you're playing. And speaking yeah. of who you're playing, I want to bring your personal experience into the equation here because a big storyline is Brian Dables returning to his old stomping ground where he was the offensive coordinator from 2018 to 21. And you, know, you returned to Tampa in your second season when you were the Colts head coach one of the most historical comebacks in NFL history, Tony. I want to give you your due in terms of coming back from 21 points down with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But I want to go back to what the week was like for you. I know it was different in terms of Brian Dable leaving Buffalo compared to you leaving Tampa. But how did you navigate that? How did you make it not bigger than it needed to be to get in the way of the task at hand? You try to do that, but I promise you, it is big. It is the elephant in the room. And I did all week leading up to that game. Oh, it's just another game, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, and it's not going to be for Brian. He's got all of these fans and he's got all the memories of, of Buffalo. Uh, but I will say this. I do think it gives the Giants a little advantage. I always felt we played Tampa twice when I was in Indy. And I felt we had an advantage because I could tell Peyton some things about that defense. The defense wasn't going to change. They're a great defense. Okay, here's what they do. Here's some things that can bother them. Peyton, if you hear this on the field, it means this. If you hear this code word, it means that. So we had some ideas. And then the same thing, offensively, Brian is going to be able to tell the defensive coaches, he's going to be able to tell Wink, here's some things that bothers Josh Allen. Here's some things that I would do against this offense. Here's some things that gave us problems in the past. So they've got the best situation there, uh, whether they can execute it, uh, I don't know, but they'll have some advantages. Tony, how much did that come into play when you went to Tampa and left Minnesota because you were actually within the same division in the NFC Central? Did that also come into play in terms of what Dennis Green ran while you were there? Absolutely. My first win, we were 0-5 my first year, and we played the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings were hot, and they had Warren Moon and Chris Carter and Jake Reed 
And we won the game because I knew a lot of things about that offense and I knew things about the defense. We scored two touchdown passes in that game on plays that I gave our offensive coordinators. This will hurt them in the red zone. They're going to play this coverage. Here's something that we never could stop. And we scored twice on plays that we put in. So there are some things that that, that coach leaving has an advantage because you're leaving a good team. And that team is not going to change. The Buffalo Bills are going, hey, Brian knows what we do, but we're not going to change what we do because he knows this is who we are. And uh, so I I think you can be very predictable and know that you're going to. Now, can you execute it? That's another story. Hey, Giants fans, Citizens is presenting a new video series, Champion the Journey, where Eli Manning talks with Tracy Wolfson about how his elite quarterbacking skills help make him ready to succeed in his post-football career. Watch the series now at Citizens Bank dot com slash champion the journey citizens the official bank of the giants you love turf you're good at it so you start a turf biz business grows your savings grow become the most celebrated name in turf are you ready for all that life brings Tony, I want to piggyback off of your last point because you mentioned you're not going to change who you are, even though maybe a previous coach of yours went elsewhere. But we always hear players talk about the nuances at the line of scrimmage and code words. How much do you have to think about that and what Brian Dable is telling his defensive players about what Josh Allen and company do at the line of scrimmage and also vice versa with Sean McDermott? They'll, they'll change some things and they'll do some things, but not not a whole lot. It, it's hard to just say, OK, in one week, we're going to change what we've done for the last four years. Um, there'll, there'll be some little things. I remember uh, we played. I was in Indianapolis and we played the Steelers on a Monday night game. Bruce Arians was coaching with the Steelers. And Peyton came to me. He said, I know Bruce is going to tell them the hand signals. So the first play of the game, I'm going to give Marvin Harrison a run hand signal and watch what happens. So we called the dialed up a play action pass. Peyton did this out to Marvin and uh, the corner read it. Knew, oh, this is a running play. 80 yard touchdown on the first play. So <laughs> uh, that can happen, too. So you can't always just dial in on things. But for the most part, I, I really do think that coach that left does have an advantage. So what's the conversation, Tony, on the sideline after that happens? Are you guys secretly having a celebration or you don't want to let the opponent know on the opposite uh, sideline. So oh, oh, we laughed and we looked over there and we watched and we watched them say, Hey, all the signals that we thought we had, we might have to throw that out today. Yeah. The other thing that I'm interested to hear from you is we talked about your personal experience going against the former team. What about the players? Meaning how much did your Colts players say, Hey, we want to win this for Tony. We know how he left Tampa. We know they went and won a Super Bowl. And the same thing with Brian Dable's players saying, hey, we know how important it is for him to be competitive going back to Buffalo here. No, they absolutely are going to want to get a win for him in this situation. And I think my guys actually worked a little too hard at that. We got down 21 nothing. We made mistakes that we hadn't been making because I do think they wanted to win that game for me. And we had to really settle down. In terms of these two teams, the Giants and the Bills, I think you look at the standings and you see the Bills are three and two. You see the Giants are one and four. And you can maybe say a bit surprising on both ends of the spectrum. I'm curious, Tony, based on your expectations and how you thought things would play out, at least in the early stage of the season, who's the bigger surprise at this point? Where the Bills are after five or where the Giants are after five? 
Uh, to me, the Giants are there mainly because of injuries. So I, I look at that and say, this, this is the better team, but they don't have all their parts. I'm a little more surprised at the Bills being three and two and the way they lost these games. Uh, to, you know, the, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, okay, that could be a loss. Aaron Rodgers goes out the fourth play of the game. You've got a lead. I expect the Bills to win that game. I don't expect to see the, the Jets come back and win that one. Jacksonville uh, at, at Buffalo uh, in England, that is an upset to me. So I, I think that the Bills have lost two games that I wouldn't have expected them to lose. So that, that's a little bit bigger surprise. I, I think the Giants situation is really, if they get all their players back, they're going to be a different team. Before I let you go, a lot is made of how the coach is handling the locker room when a team gets off to a sluggish start, especially when you take into consideration how well the Giants exceeded expectations last season, ultimately made the playoffs. What is the position that Brian Dable is in right now about people reading into the record, but at the same time, staying true to who you are and knowing what's going on in the locker room is not necessarily what's happening in terms of the perception in the court of public opinion and how you walk that fine line. Right. Um, it's a little bit unusual because Brian's only been there a couple of years and everybody on the outside, which team is really the Giants? Is the Giants the team we saw last year? Or maybe that was just luck and they're not as good. And you just have to keep building from the inside and say, you know what, guys, we know who we are. We're not going to change. Uh, my my coach in Pittsburgh, Chuck Noll, used to have a saying, panic is a uh, is is really a sign of leaving your game plan. And we're not going to leave our game plan. There's no panic in our game plan. And I think that's what Brian has to get across. We've got a way we're going to do things. This is going to be the Giants' way. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. When we get ourselves playing the way we can play, we're going to be fine. And I think he's got the support in the locker room. He's got leaders on the team that believe that, and they're going to be fine. It is Sunday night football. The Giants and the Bills, you can see. Pro Football Hall of Famer Tony Dungy on Football Night in America as they will set the stage for this showdown in primetime, the Giants' fourth matchup in the first six games. Tony, this was an absolute blast. I can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the inside as well as you reminiscing about your personal experiences. And I very much look forward to talking to you down the road. Well, I appreciate it. It's always great uh, being with the Giants, Lance, and uh, can't wait for Sunday night. And people forget that you had a brief part of your resume as a player on the Giants before you went into coaching. I just wanted to squeeze that in. I, I did. I got traded to the Giants and actually got me going on my coaching career. Uh, Ray Perkins was the head coach and he, they let me go. Uh, but he said, I really think you ought to investigate coaching. You, you have a good communication base. You love the game. Um, it, it's something you ought to look into. And uh, he kind of helped me take that that start into coaching. So I, I do have an affinity for the Giants. Chuck Noll, Bill Walsh, you went into coaching. The rest is history. Certainly not a bad decision on your part. Tony Dungy with us here on the latest edition of the Giants Auto Podcast, which you can catch on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platform.